we're going to enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're going to have another team meeting and we're going to get locked in on next year. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. I'm Nicole Auerbach. She's Grace Rayner. And we are coming to you via quarantine once again um, to talk about, I guess, Grace, if we are going to have a college football season. That's kind of been the topic of conversation this week. Um, And I know it was certainly something that Dabo talked about on Friday. Yeah, I mean, that's the million dollar question. And you know, and we we talked about this a little bit, Nicole, through the course of the week, just as, you know, two friends who cover the sport. But um, a lot of this kind of started with Kirk Herbstreit's comments and where things are going. And now as the weeks are progressing, we're seeing coaches weigh in. But yeah, Dabo was very um, extremely optimistic that there is going to be a season, kind of saying like, look, this is America. It, in my opinion, it's the greatest country on the planet, and we've done all these things, and I'm confident we're going to beat this and have Grace. a season on time. Grace, read the full quote. I need okay. to hear it. And and give it to me in, like, I need the emotion behind it. Oh, gosh. I don't have a Do good Dabo impression. Well, hold no, on. you don't have to impress, impersonate him, but I like the energy. I need, like, the energy behind it. Okay, hold on. Let me find this quote. I'm currently looking for it in our story that we we're about to publish okay. okay well the full quote itself is very long so let's hit on the let's hit on the good parts uh-huh. uh, this is america yeah okay part. please start there okay quote <laughs> this is america man we've stormed the beaches of normandy we've sent a car and drove around on mars we've walked on the moon this is the greatest country and the greatest people in the history of the planet we can we created an iphone that can send, and he meant to say a message, but then he kind of cut himself off. I can sit here and talk to all you people in these different places. We've got the smartest people in the world. Listen, we're going to rise up, and we're going to kick this thing right in the teeth, and we will get back to our lives. Thank you for that. I needed I needed the full quote. I think our listeners need the full quote um, because I have a couple of questions. One, do are there any Clemson fans that exist in other countries? Because kind of a shot at anyone who is not American. Um, yes, right, for sure. There are Clemson fans in other for countries. sure. Okay, yeah, because it says the greatest people in the history of the planet. So, mm, poor you know Italian Clemson fans. Just in case you're listening, we still love you. Yeah, Number I don't think two, he has anything against. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Um, I don't think that like with a virus that is spreading very rapidly, I don't think you can just kick it in the teeth. And that's where the that's where the controversy on social media has been, right? Like you've got two camps basically. You've got this one camp that's like in this horrible time, I really appreciate Dabo Sweeney's optimism. Um his heart was in the right place, you know, this is this is good for college football that we have someone kind of giving us something to look forward to. Then we have this other camp it's basically like there are so many uncertainties with this virus. Um, you know, this is kind of an out-of-touch take. And, you know, I don't think it has to be one or the other, but this is also America where we divide each other on Twitter. <laughs> um, right. But that, that's just kind of the two, you know, there's. I was telling someone earlier today, there's kind of no middle ground here. You're either like 100% with him or ready to, you know, go to battle on Twitter. So here's here's a here's a question, okay? Um, how much stock should we put into coaches' opinions about this? Because I'm putting basically 
0.1%. Because ultimately, this, these decisions are going to be made way above them. But at the same time, like I totally understand what you're saying and the portion of people who need and want that optimism and the idea that sports are going to come back and life is going to return to normal. Like I, I absolutely get that. But I don't even think it's worth getting up in arms over this because coaches are just sharing opinions right now. Like no one knows anything about what's going to happen. Everything seems to change day to day, week to week. So like it's easy for Twitter to, you know, get a buzz and whatever. But to me, like, I don't even know why people are putting that much stock into what Kirk Herbstreet is saying or coaches, right? Like people are just guessing at this point. Yeah, I mean, until Dr. Fauci says there can be or cannot be college football, I think that's probably the only voice that's going to unify all of us right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you that. And look, D- Dabo even said himself, like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to let this, the people who are in charge of this and who are intelligent kind of figure this out. And I think what happened was he was presenting, you know, this is my mindset. This is my team's mindset. This is what... We are choosing to believe, but it came off as, you know, confident. Uh, fact is not the right word, but you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so and this is why I think it's interesting from like a larger standpoint about the different coaches who like teed off on Kirk Herbstreet for saying he didn't think there was going to be a season, right? Or that college football wouldn't. I don't even remember his exact quote. Was it just that it wouldn't operate as normal or he'd be shocked if it was a regular season or something. I forget what it was, but I think it was closer to the latter. Coaches acted like that mattered. And again, it's this is an analyst giving his opinion and it's a guess. Like four weeks ago, we couldn't have imagined that we'd be having these conversations. Like a lot has changed really quickly. And honestly, we won't know a ton until probably the end of May at this point to have a real gauge about like when is a more realistic idea point for students to return to campuses, right? Like we're still ways, way off from that. So to me, it's been really interesting to see how like the coaches, um, Eli Drinkwitz was one, um, Brian Kelly was another, like that, that they got mad that someone suggested we might not have football this fall. Whereas like everyone around the sport is actually having those conversations right now. So like they're all trying to be Dabo. They're all trying to be optimistic and operate as if the season's going to start on time. But it's just factual that it might not. Like, it is a possibility that it doesn't. There is a possibility it's delayed or shortened or in January, whatever. I mean, right now people are throwing out ridiculous ideas and, you know, trying to be creative. And we don't need to get to that point yet either. But Like I've spent the last week on the phone with athletic directors and conference commissioners and everyone is concerned. Like they're concerned about their revenue. They're concerned about their TV deals. They're concerned about ticket sales. Uh, People are pushing back like season ticket renewal deadlines and all these things. Like I was talking to Chris Del Conte, that AD at Texas, and he was saying, you know, obviously they're hoping they understand that everything that people send on sports is discretionary income. And people are getting laid off and people's businesses are struggling right now. And, um, you know, we're, we're in a recession. We're going to be in a recession. And so he was saying that they hope that, you know, the, the University of Texas, like, is, is in people's hearts and that they want to buy tickets if they can, if they once they take care of their families and, and themselves. And he was like, listen, we will sell tickets until the day before the season starts. Like, there's no hard deadline on these things. And so 
to me, I think that like the coaches are trying to be as optimistic as possible, but I think their bosses are being realistic and having like a lot of different contingency plans. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, when I kind of see how I didn't have a problem really with, with Dabo wanting to be positive here. I like when, when I see some of these coaches lashing out, I, I don't think that's productive. Um, I don't think getting angry at Kirk Herbstreit just for saying, I don't think college football can happen until we have a vaccine for this thing is worth, you know, getting legitimately angry over. Not to mention all these coaches have Kirk's number. Like you could give him a call, but that's just my opinion. But yeah, I mean, I just think that there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, you know, very warranted anxiety. And we're, we're kind of seeing how different programs and how different coaches are managing that and, and kind of dealing with it. Right. I, th- I think we have so many different elements, like from a football coach standpoint, like, and I think you've got to start grace with this idea that these are people who are used to having a lot of control, right? We talk about this, like when you, when you talk about an NFL head coach versus a college football head coach or whatever, right? It's, it's, it's a different level of control. You have control over your player schedules. They're you're, you're keeping up with their academics, their strength and conditioning programs, you literally know where they are all the time. And now you have none of that. And it was kind of, it kind of came to a head, which I thought was interesting based on Nick Saban's comments about having Alabama players wear Apple watches to kind of track them, right? Mm-hmm. And everything that everyone's doing at home right now by the books has to be voluntary. And so that created like a little bit of a stir, but I liked how Dabo handled that and said that they just trust that their players are taking care of what they need to be doing. But to get to the point of saying that, like that is a an acknowledgement of I'm used to having a lot of control. I don't, but I trust that they're doing what they need to do. Yeah, I mean, I thought that, and I don't even know that he was, I don't think he was trying to take a shot at Alabama when he said that, but it got, you know, that kind of got me thinking too, that it's like, look, if you are in the middle of a global pandemic and you don't trust that your football players are, are working out, like, I don't know, that that's just... That's just weird to me that that a coach would need that much control. It's like you're recruiting it's just, these it's kids just, that you're supposed to trust. Like, I don't yeah, know. but it's again, it's just you lose so much and you don't know what they're doing. Um, and listen, I mean, if if these coaches didn't have restrictions on you know the amount of hours they could you know have virtual meetings and you know if they could make things mandatory and not voluntary, like they would do all of those things absolutely. Um, but I, I, to me, it's just, I don't think that anyone's going to get a competitive advantage with anything they're doing right now. No, I don't either. Every athlete is going to come back to campus whenever this is and be out of shape, not be as strong as before, not be, not have the endurance they had before, you know? Yeah. They could be studying the, the playbook and having virtual meetings with their assistant, but it's not the same. And like, it's just, it, to me, it's just, th- there's not little edges that you can, you know, you can find right now. Like, it, you know, I mean, it, it was interesting, like, the, the reactions I was getting from coaches and other places about Alabama's Apple Watches was that it was overkill. Not that it was like, oh, yeah, they found, like, some some loophole and it's, what a great idea. It was just like, what, 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 are you, what are you trying to get? Like, there's just not an edge to be found right now. Right. I mean, and that's kind of what I think Dabo was saying when he was like, I mean, I don't really need Apple Watches to track my players. Like, you know, I, I mean, they're they're communicating, as you said. Uh, Clemson has four hours a week where they can have team meetings. So it's not like they don't know what these kids are up to. 
And yeah, to your point, it's like every strength and conditioning coordinator in the country is dealing with the same thing. This is kind of an even playing field. Um, I'm not sure what tracking these people's, you know, sleep on these wearable devices is really going to do for you, you know, five or six months from now. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I believe the same thing. And so it's just hard for me to get, you know, up in arms about this. And, you know, I, I think it's cool that places are like, I think the stuff that actually makes a difference that is cool and creative are like, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but like you had a Texas player unboxing, um, some workout equipment, like some bands and some protein powder and some stuff that the the athletic department was able to send to their offensive linemen, right? Like that stuff is cool. And that is, is, is a very nice piece to this, that they're able to provide things like this. It honestly explained to me as well that I don't know, Grace, if you've tried to buy any workout equipment, but like there is a shortage everywhere. Like you can't find bands, you can't find dumbbells, kettlebells. It's probably all the college football programs. Now that I'm thinking about Just it. Just scooping them all up. Yeah. Yeah. They're sending it to all their athletes. No, but um, I, I just, I, the, to me, it's all just about like keeping people sane and feeling supported and moving their bodies a little bit more so than like actual football advantages. And I, I just think that's all you can really think about it. But again, I, maybe I'm too realist. Maybe they would say I'm pessimistic because I don't necessarily expect the season to start on time. And you know, I, I wonder, too, um, you know, with a place like Clemson and, and really all these places with big time college football, you know, what it would mean if it doesn't. Right. Like we I don't think we need to have a conversation about like if there's no season. Right. But if you think about how much money Clemson and any power five program, um, you know, with really good big time football brings in from ticket sales and from the TV revenue it basically funds everything else. And so I think that this idea that, you know, the, the less money people are getting from the NCAA, which they already, I already know what the cut was there. Um, and then this question about football, like you're looking at a significant hit um, to the revenue that these athletic departments are so used to bringing in. This is why they have all those lavish facilities and, um, you know, and, and why they have, you know, huge support staffs and all of these things. And I think that it's definitely true, no matter what happens with football, that some of that stuff is going to change. I mean, you're going to either see um, staffing reductions or scholarship reductions or cutting sports. I mean, potentially that's already going to happen even without knowing about football. What do you make of some of these schools that are cutting salaries and that kind of stuff? Well, it's interesting that you're seeing it with the highest paid employees in the athletic departments, right? Because that includes coaches, that includes football, men's basketball coaches. And I think there is going to be significant pressure at a lot of places to do that. Um, Whether it's kind of voluntary or if like the athletic department or the university president kind of forces them to. Um, Because think about how much you could save if you cut your football coach's salary versus like, you know, oh, taking 10, 10% off of, you know, the next 20 employees, right? Like, I mean, think about you, you can get so much because there's these salaries are so high. Um, and I, I would not be surprised if like on a very local level that there is pressure on every single college campus to do that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I'd be surprised either. I mean, I think, well, I'd be surprised in the context of like, this is kind of the world that we're living in right now. 
But right, like, it, but it's hard to be surprised about stuff now. Like, considering how fast things have moved and like how many different industries have been hit and had layoffs already. Like, I think if you could say, oh, if we can, you know, get some money back from one person's salary or three people's salary in our athletic department, our AD, our men's basketball coach, our football coach, whatever, we you know whoever the most the highest paid people are. Um, and that will save, you know, 15 jobs because they'll get to, you know, continue working. Um, you know, our lowest paid people, like, I think people are going to try to do that because I don't know. I mean, you know, we're still so early into this and, you know, there's going to be so many more ripple effects, but you know, I, I, I just think that people are going to have to make hard decisions. And I think that it's, it's a, easier sell I, and I mean not easier but you know when you see major companies do this and you see them doing it only with their their top you know their top employee you know highest paid employees and the, the CEOs and the founders doing it um, that sits better with people I think because you know it's 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 protecting the lower paid employees for as long as possible and I think that's what this would do if you're able to if you're replicating it like Iowa State is at a college athletic level. Yeah, that makes sense. I would agree with that. What was the um, you and Chris Vanini had had a number in your article when you were talking to ADs this week? It was like a certain percentage of them said were, said something about having thirty percent or more. What was that number? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we wrote about there was a survey done um, by. Lead one, um, they they polled over a hundred FBS athletic directors about just various concerns and things, and we ended up writing about the financial concerns and implications and things. And it was interesting because um, there was definitely an economic impact for like this calendar year, but a lot of people, again, even with football as an uncertain variable aren't sure about like the next academic year. So so for 2020 to 2021, I can't speak. Um, for So this next, the coming academic year, 35% of the athletic directors are forecasting at least a 30% drop in revenue. So Jeez. that is huge. Yeah, that's obviously. substantial. And it's interesting because it's coming on the heels of, you know, a decade plus of, of really good you know, a good economy and just growth in so many different areas in these athletic departments and, you know, soaring salaries, facilities, projects, um, you know, wide ranging sport offerings. And and so now you're getting hit with this. And, and really, I think it's going to reshape college athletics as a whole, right? Because you're going to see places that are going to um, have to cut sports and scholarships. Um, you're going to see, you've had a couple athletic directors wondering how many teams are going to stay or how many schools are going to stay in division one, right. Or, in, you know, in power conferences or whatever it might be. I mean, there, there could be some very drastic changes. There could be changes to the way that people hire and, and pay head coaches salaries, right. Because you're going to be looking for ways to save money and be a little bit more reasonable. I don't think you're going to see like someone, overnight pay Willie Taggart's buyout. That's not going to happen this year. Right. Like, right. There, none of the, none of the power conferences had any basketball coaches get fired in this cycle. Because, oh, yeah, this. that's what I was just about to bring up. Is that like, can you, I mean, can you believe it? Yes. Is it, 
simultaneously crazy that not a single power five basketball coach has gotten fired. That's the right statistic, isn't it? Yeah, none of that. None of that. There have been no changes. And, and the thing is, it's a weird time, right? So if you were going to do it now and then you're going to hire a coach, when are they going to meet the players, right? Like, how are they going to sure. you know, have a roster? So there's definitely like some logistical issues. But I think in a lot of cases with coaches that are on the hot seat, you have athletic directors saying, I don't think I can justify paying a buyout right now and then hiring a whole new staff. Like, why are you adding all of these new costs when you don't know what your revenue is going to look like this year? So it is jarring, but also I think makes sense. And, And I wonder, you know, how much of that rolls into football season where you have bigger buyouts and, you know, how much people pay for assistant coaches and things. It's expensive. It's expensive to make changes. And um, maybe you do if you know you can hire a coach for for less. You know, maybe if it's a, a rising assistant type coach, you're not going to pay them what you would pay, you know, Kirby Smart in the SEC, right? Maybe you're paying them a more reasonable starting salary. Like, I think stuff like that's going to happen where it's kind of recalibrating college sports a bit. Not to mention, I guess you have to be okay with the fact that you're going to not have an in-person interview with some of these people if you're hiring yeah, them. Like, are you right. just Dabo Sweeney going to zoom in on someone? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, he was lucky that he his first choice to replace Jeff Scott was internal, but let, let's say that it wasn't. What if, you know, what if he wanted yeah. to go externally? I think it's really hard right now. And I, I think that without knowing – and again, I think a big key with this too is – you don't know when students are going back to campus. And I I was talking to um, our colleague covers Georgia, Seth Emerson, about this because he was saying that, like, couldn't you technically bring back football players, even if schools are still an online only? And I don't think you can. I mean, maybe by the book you can, right? Because they technically are on campus in the summer, you know, in between sessions sometimes, right? That's where he was saying. I don't think that when you're looking for markers of things about like returns to normalcy or whatever, and again, reasons you don't make coaching changes because you don't know when you're going to see these people in person again. But I think it's going to have to be when the campuses open again. And the key there is going to be what what is the time, like how, how many weeks or days do you need to ramp up to play a, play a game, right? To play like full speed, full contact. And you had Sandy Barber at Penn State, the athletic director, say 60 days was the number that they had gotten from their medical staff or whatever. And I don't know what that number is, right? Like that's, to me, that's the key moving forward. And there isn't like 60, 60 days is the first number we've heard thrown out there about that. But yeah. So I don't know. And then and, and what does the summer look like? How, how late into the summer, you know, can you can you go? Could you can you bring people back mid semester? Like different schools have different sessions for summer. Like it's all it's all all over the place. Yeah, that was something that that, that Dabo was kind of asked about too. Was you know how many days do you think you need? Um, and he and he had kind of he didn't give a number like Penn State did, but he had said he would say July. Um, he was hopeful that summer one would be when Clemson players could come back, which would be the middle of May. And and that was kind of something that he touched on too. Like, okay, maybe it's my hope that maybe if they can't go to class, like they can at least come back and and work out and and run and 
you know, do some of these things in restricted fashion to be training together. Um, but, you know, that's also him acknowledging that that's like his best case scenario and will obviously, you know, do what he's what he's told to do as all of these universities continue to defer to the experts. Right. And, and I think it's it's worth reminding everyone kind of who's going to make those decisions. Um, certainly, like just from a let, let's start like the biggest level, right? Like if there are national guidelines or, um, you know, ordinances in place about gatherings, right? Like that you have that you have state and local, um, you know, restrictions that could potentially impact this, like especially crowds, right? If you're talking about football games in front of people, um, the idea of getting, you know, 70, 80, 90,000 people in one space. Um, you know, you, you have to look at things like that. And then, and those are obviously being decided, um, you know, on advice of, you know, Dr. Fauci and like all of these experts on um, infectious diseases and, and health and safety. Then, you know, at a, at a more local level, you have univers- university presidents making these decisions about going online only. They're worried about enrollment. Is school going to start on time? All of these things above the decisions of like, football and when you know games and things like that so I just think it's worth reminding everyone that um football coaches have opinions they're trying to be optimistic athletic directors as well I mean Crystal Conte is telling me you know he wakes up every day trying to be positive you know but preparing for the worst and then at the end of the day some of these decisions are going to be made for them above them right and so you know there's a lot of different things to keep an eye on if you're you know trying to track when and how football might return. Um, so I would just say probably, again, those, those the rules about gatherings of 50 or more people, that's one. Um, I would say the online-only classes. You know, you saw a lot of universities this week announce that they're going to be planning to do that through the summer sessions. That's worth keeping an eye on. Um, and then once we get kind of more clarity about what that ramp-up time would need to be between – players getting back to campus and kind of, you know, redoing strength conditioning and like practicing and stuff to game, game ready shape. Um, you know, that's another thing. So, so to me, like those are the three areas that I'm kind of tracking and, you know, I just think would be worth monitoring if you're looking for those, those, those flags, uh, you know, kind of along the way, along the path towards like the return to football. Yeah. I mean, it's changing, you know, every day too. So I think, you know, part of this, as you said earlier in this podcast, it's like, is it even really worth trying to have these conversations right now? Like, I I don't know. I mean. Right. It it, it honestly might not be because things change really fast. And then also at this point, you know, can can you make determinations about, you know, online only classes and, you know, when school can start? Or are we going to have to wait until the end of April, the end of May? To see, you know, where the spread of the of the coronavirus is, right? Like, it's very likely that we won't have concrete answers for another month or two. Right. For sure. Um, and I think that, you know, that's why you're hearing a lot of people say, like, I don't know. I don't know what's next. Or I don't know how this is going to go or what this is going to look like. So um, it's it's very interesting. And again, we are, I, I respect that Dabo is being positive about it and optimistic. And I think every coach has to prepare as if the season is going to start on time. Um, but sorry to throw a little cold water on all of that. Kind of had to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like these coaches all have their thoughts, their opinions. And, you know, I don't 
I don't blame them for having them. I mean, this is their livelihood. Like this is their, this is how this is how they spend their entire life. Like Dabo was saying, even this week, I've I've never ever 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 in my life had this much time with my wife and three boys. So um, I certainly understand, you know, the the questions and the reactions. And it is interesting to kind of see how different coaches are, are handling it. Although Eli Drinkwitz apologized to Herb Street, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. he did. But but I really do think that coaches are not happy with people who are pointing out, you know, some realistic but scary-sounding possibilities. Right. And I get that, but, I mean, it's just people guessing at this point. Um, let's wrap the pod here by saying congratulations to Dabo Swinney, who has cleaned his garage. I know. He's been singing karaoke with his family, playing card games, cleaned his closet too. Like, it just seems like he's having a very productive quarantine so far. For sure. I mean, I really honestly didn't think that Dabo Sweeney could be more organized. He's like probably the most organized human being I've ever met in my life. And yet here we are like closet cleaned, attic cleaned, garage cleaned. They're playing card games. They're doing karaoke. We did not ask him about Tiger King, which was regretful, but also we just, we got, our press conference was over an hour. We got so much actual good information that it was kind of like, okay, is someone going to ask this? Is someone not? But um, seems like college football coaches kind of divided on Tiger King. Well, I'm pretty sure almost all of them have watched it, which usually college football coaches are not always, you know, they're not always current on pop culture. So I am impressed by that. What do we think about um, Kirby Smart only giving it two episodes? Do you respect the the hustle to at least try? Or do you think this is an all or nothing type deal? Um, I do think that it's 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 a jarring show and it's weird and there's not very many likable people in it. So I can see people bailing early. But I do think like episodes three and four is like the sweet spot. That's fair. I mean, it's when you, I would, it's when you really get to like the Carol Baskin situation. <laughs> I my favorite part of Twitter in this entire quarantine is hats off to the Auburn beat for just straight up asking <laughs> Gus if Carol killed her husband. Like, <laughs> what a power move! I really respect that. That's that. That's what Zoom is here for. If we're gonna have Zoom press conferences, those are the types of questions that need to be asked. Yeah, Truly. I'm into it. Truly. Well, on that note, um, we hope everyone is staying safe being healthy um, and kind of keeping themselves sane. If you have TV recs, we will take them. Um, And also before we go, this week was sports movie week over at The Athletic. Grace had a great piece um, with an NBA scout breaking down Space Jam. I had pieces about Air Bud and oral history of Air Bud. And then also some fictional characters. Uh, Where are they now? Catching up with some of our favorites from various sports movies. So be sure to check out all that on The Athletic. Um, and from Grace and myself, we again, hope everyone's staying safe. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Protect the Rock.